Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So Dave, literally, what, an hour ago, when did you push the button to release Pedometer++ 5.0? So slightly funny story about that is... I didn't actually push the button. It pushed itself. Uh, <laughs> when I submitted the app uh, a week ago, I had, I had just like, I don't know why I did this. I said, Oh, just like release yourself at six in the morning on, you know, Wednesday, March 1st and completely had forgotten that that's what I was doing. And so this morning I was expecting to like, you know, at some point I'd, you know, get my coffee, sit down at my office, get, you know, my help desk up, get everything ready just the way I like it. And then I'd hit release. And instead, it's like I'm kind of blearily eyed, had just woken up, walking downstairs, get an alert on my phone that says, you know, from App Store Connect saying, your app is now ready for sale. And it's like, <laughs> it, it is. So that was the that, that was the exciting part of this morning. But yeah, so it's been a couple of hours now. But uh, yeah, not not very long that it's been out in the world. Well, congratulations. This is a huge update. And I, and I, I, I would honestly be surprised if this was only one episode worth of content here, because here's what you've done. You've taken... An old app that had a huge user base that you made, Panometer Plus Plus, and you have you've done a number of things relevant to our audience. So first of all, you totally rewrote the app in Swift and Swift UI before it was UI Kit and everything. And so that's that's its own massive thing. You also dramatically added a huge feature set to it that takes it in a totally different direction from where it was before. And then on top of that, you have also added a subscription to an app that, that didn't have one before. So these are all massive topics for our show. So uh, let's, and I don't think we're probably not going to get to all of it today, but, but I, I, I would love to start with just, okay, so what, what prompted you to look at this old app that, you know, uh, you know while, it has, while it has tons of users, I assume it was kind of cruising along without much input from you, you know, having to baby it over time. So what prompted you to say, you know what, I'm going to go rewrite that app? I think it, it didn't start, it's probably the best place to say is it, I didn't start wanting to rewrite the app that I started this process, honestly, with the expectation of writing another app to that I was going to, I've kind of been on this, this, this got started from this desire to make an amazing like hiking app for the Apple Watch and iPhone. That was like something that I wanted for me that when I go hiking, I'm frustrated by all the other apps that exist out in the world that I've tried. And I just, none of them think, you know, work the way that I work. And so I wanted to make my own thing, my own thing that was, you know, for me better and hopefully better for other people. <laughs> that is, by the way, that is the, that is how all of the best apps begin. Like yeah. that's like part of our, part of the luxury of being an indie app developer is if something about the way some app works irritates us, or if there's some, you know, there's some like category that we could really use that doesn't really exist or isn't really well served by what's out there, we can make that app. <laughs> not not in every case, of course, but a lot of the time, that's something that we can, if we if we care that badly, and if we're willing to stick that much time into it, we can just say, you know what, these apps that are out there to do this, they are not working for me. Let me let me make my version of it. And that is and sometimes you're the only person in the world who wants that and it goes nowhere. But most of the time you're not. Most of the time there's there's other people who also want to work the way you do. And so this is ha- this is a recipe for how almost all of the best apps are are made. Yeah. And I think there's definitely something about chasing it's like rather than having us like 
you, you you can you can be a solution in search of a problem or a problem in search of a solution and and i feel like so like if you're coming at it from like you have this thing this problem that you want to find the solution for like you and you know what that is because you encounter it and it's tangible and it, you're not kind of this other way around where you're just like hoping that this can find a market or you're like imagining a user who theoretically could exist, who might benefit from something like it, as soon as you start to become esoteric and kind of whimsical in that way, like it just very quickly loses sort of, I don't know, like ground truth. And you, you, you just start like, are ma- you're making stuff up that isn't nearly as productive as, you know, I go out on a walk. What do I want to see? What is helpful to me? And like, that is so instructive for, uh, like making something that hopefully in practice is going to be, you know, intuitive and easy to use and all of those things that sometimes you have to work for if you aren't like the number one user yourself, if you're working into, you know, I ran into this a bit with Widgetsmith where there are some kind of aesthetic features and uses of the app that are not things that I do. Like I've never done the, you know, fully custom app icon, like homepage thing. That's just never really, you know, sort of been something that I wanted to pursue. And so when I'm building features for that, it's tricky. But like in this case, it's like, I've been an avid hiker, like my entire life. I love the wilderness. This is something that I really, and it's like, am a, you know, I'm, am a fan of. And so when I, you know, decided, Hey, I want to make this app, um, you know, it was easy to kind of know where to start and to start building. But like I went down that road and I started building this app, um, as a, as a separate thing. And then at a sort of fairly quickly could have hit this point where it's like, you know, this shouldn't be a separate app. Like I'm just asking for trouble if I go down that road and I've done this before where, you know, I keep, you know, I've launched 60 different apps over the years and it's like it get, at a certain point that just is, is worse. Like I, because I have an app that does step counting that's related to hiking, they're not like direct overlap, but they're, you know, there's a very strong Venn diagram intersection there. Um, it was like, this should just be part of Pedometer Plus Plus. This should just be a feature that is added into that rather than a new thing that I have to try and like build a, you know, a, a new user base for and, you know, kind of establish a brand around and all of those things that are going to be so difficult. Like this makes so much more sense to put it in there. And like, that's the point where suddenly it's like, oh, that's going to be tricky because do I want all of this new stuff was going to be in Swift and Swift UI. Like that was just sort of a given for me. I think that is clear, you know, like the writing is on the wall that that is any new feature I build should be written in Swift and Swift UI because that's where all the effort inside, you know, Apple's platforms and things and the skills I want to develop and the kind of quality of my code, that is where I should be putting that effort. And so now I'm stuck in this place where I have these new features in Swift and Swift UI doing some pretty interesting things. And I think that are like, are in some ways are only possible in, you know, in Swift UI, like the things I'm doing with live activities or, um, on the Apple Watch. It's, you can only possible if you use Swift UI. And so like that for sure is, has to be the case, but I really didn't like the feeling of jumping back and forth between Objective C and UI kit and Swift and Swift UI. Like you can make it work. Like I could do a lot of, you know, wrapping things up and doing UI view representable and like making it happen in that way. But very quickly I was like, no, this is, this is the time. Like this app's been around for almost 10 years. You know, I launched it back in, you know, 2013. Um, and so it's, it's been around, you know, it's, it's got a lot of miles on it. Like there are a lot of, you know, files in this that have been around for 10 years. And it's like at some point that old Objective-C code is going to just weigh me down to a point that I'm not going to be able to take advantage of something. And so this was like the moment where I was like, you know, 
I'm just going to, it's, it's, it's never a great idea sometimes, you know, sort of conceptually to rewrite something, but eventually I think, you know, a code base reaches that tipping point. And I was like, you know, this is that point. And so I'm just going to sort of buckle down and rebuild things. And some of that was a struggle. Some of that was a joy. Like it's been a bit of a journey to get to where I am now, but it feels amazing that like I've rewritten essentially, you know, all of the user facing code, um, in Swift and Swift UI. And there's, you know, there's still some, some model logic that's objective C just because it didn't make any sort of difference or sense to change that. And that's been very battle tested. And, you know, I could refer you back to a very old episode of under the radar where I talked about how complicated, like, counting steps is um yeah. like the last thing i wanted to do is is is, is sort of you know sort of crack open that code um but, but everything from that level up is completely rebidden and it just feels great now that like i have an idea for a feature i have something i want to do i can implement it in swift ui and so often it's like it takes no time at all and it's just kind of like i feel like i'm running down a hill like you know like when you imagine like the little kid who's running down a, a you know running down the hill with his arms on his side it just like big smile on his face like that's what it feels like now <laughs> rather than i feel like you know, the objective C days where I have previously had to go and do a feature or make a change, it felt like I was like, you know, sort of lo- loading on a weight vest and like crawling up a hill on my hands and knees because it's just so different and so sort of, you know, contrary to the way I think and the way that I develop now. Oh, my God, you have no idea how much this is speaking to me. But the problem is I'm still in the in the, the you know, the burden phase and I'm not being looking running down the hill yet. And the, the hill seems really far away from me still. But. but the only way you'll get there is if you start running, right? Like, it's I know, it's... I know. <laughs> All right. We are brought to you this episode by issue. Whether you work for yourself or you're part of a team, it's time to get creative. Make your online presence and your business stand out from the rest with Issue. Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content from marketing materials and magazines to catalogs, portfolios, and so much more. There is no need for endless scrolling through PDFs. Issue features your digital content in an easy-to-view way on every device. You can make it once and distribute it everywhere without reformatting. Your content is automatically optimized for engagement and ready to share, which saves so much time. Issue also works seamlessly with the tools you already use and love, like Canva, Dropbox, MailChimp, InDesign, and more. Content on Issue can be published however you need it to be, public or private, for instance, and private there only allows users with the shared link to view it. Public content will be available for your audience, and it'll be available for others to discover on the Issue platform. This is cool. So the platform also provides statistics on how your content's being consumed so you can learn more about your audience with data on impressions, clicks on the content, duration spent reading, pages viewed, and so much more. Issue helps creators, marketers, designers, and really anyone who wants to make content that stands out. Get started with Issue today for free or sign up with an annual premium account and get 50% off with you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code RADAR. Issue is spelled I-S-S-U-U, so there's no E, I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast. Use promo code RADAR at checkout for your free starter account or 50% off an annual premium account. One more time, that's issue, I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast, promo code RADAR. Our thanks to Issue for their support of Under the Radar and all of Relay FM. So you decided to rebuild the whole app, Swift and Swift UI, and that, and part of that was that you had this this pretty significant new feature set that you were adding on with this with the hiking tracking and the and the widgets and the workout modes and the watch. Like there's so much you were adding here. 
And and I know you I know you you know you just talked about the decision making of why you kept it in this app and didn't just make a new app. But I'm curious, like, are are you concerned that people won't know to look for this in this app? Like, because it's it's really hard to take an existing app. You add you added this whole massive new feature set to it. But part of what makes Pedometer Plus Plus itself is its root screen like it's iconic just nice bar graph root screen that everyone has been looking at for almost a decade now um you know it's and so how how do you balance like you're adding this massive new feature set to an app that is known for its simplicity and, and and how do you balance like not eating into that simplicity too much while also making sure people actually know about the features and might have a chance to use them yeah, and I, I I think that is definitely a concern that I had, and it was it's it's this thing in the back of my mind of what I really didn't want to do is, and it's, it's it's honestly too early at this point to know for sure, but I don't think this is what happened. It's like what I didn't want to have happen is I make this change, I add some features, I rebuild the app, I do some visual design changes, and then suddenly it turns out the reason the app was successful, the reason people used it was because of the thing that I just changed. Like the thing that I just took away was the linchpin that was holding everything together. And so if I take it away, like the whole thing falls apart. Like that's the terror in the back of my mind that that was going to happen. And I think because I had that terror there that I don't think is actually true, that I think is much more likely that people like it for a variety of reasons. And I can keep the essentials of what they like without, you know, by while making changes to other things. I think because I had that terror, I went, as I go about this, everything that I've done is kind of had been filtered through this idea of if you're an existing user, what would you expect? What would you like? What would make sense to you? Um, and I'm trying very hard to structure things around that, that I'm not trying to kind of confuse people or they, you know, they, they, I, I, like, I, I mean, I'm sort of my, even myself when I really don't like it when, you know, an app update happens and suddenly I can't find anything and everything's like backwards and turned around and, you know, things are very confusing suddenly. Like that is a terrible ex- experience and a, you know, a feeling as a user because as a user, it takes effort for me to develop kind of, I don't know, like sophistication, expertise, whatever you wanted to say it was about, you know, this app that I'm learning how to do it. I'm becoming an expert in it. And if, you know, as an app developer, if we take that expertise that someone has learned and kind of just like discard it and throw it away, like that's, that's hurtful. Like that's, that's not a nice feeling for these users who have put time and energy into understanding how your app works and how it, you know, what they should expect from it. And so I tried very hard in this update to leave things very similar. Like that, you know, that main root home screen where you have been for a long time is, you know, none of the code you're seeing is the same as the old code, but visually it's almost identical. Like I very tried very hard to like, there may come a point in the future where I can evolve that, where I could change it, where I could tweak or adjust it in a way that might be interesting. Like, I don't know that, that may be, that may, that may be something that makes sense in six months, you know, a year from now. But for this update, when I'm changing so many other things, my goal was to keep it exactly the same, to change as little as it's like to change only what I have to, rather than to get kind of carried away in one of these just like, you know, graphic design, 
uh, vision quests where you start coming up with these new ideas and these things and kind of like are you know, this radical reimagining of something. It's like, no, no, this is the, you know, the rebuild is for me and for my ability to technically do this. And visually for the user, I want you to be as happy as can be with that. You know, some users may even think like nothing changed that if you just like, Oh, huh, you know, the app just looks slightly different. There's not even any kind of big obvious thing there. And then these other features, these new like workout modes and things are kind of, I'm not, I'm intentionally not trying to be in your face about them, that I want you to discover them when you're at the point where you might be interested in looking rather than, you know, I, it's not this kind of update where I've, you know, and I've experienced these in some other apps where you have the sense of like this new update comes and then now every time you launch the app, there's like a pop-up that's like, hey, 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 have you seen our new stuff? It's awesome. You know, come over here, check this out. Um, like I have a little like link at the top of the home screen now, if just to be with the plays a video, so that's like a, you know, 30 second video, essentially like here's what's new in version five. Um, but that's the extent of it. And you've, once you've seen it, it goes away and it won't come back. Like it's, it's, I'm trying sort of thought to be as thoughtful as I can about making this something that hopefully, I mean, both for the existing user and the new user that like your initial core experience, the thing that hopefully has gotten you to download pedometer plus plus in the first place and you are using it is still there is still great. And now there's this other place that you can go that, you know, huh, counting my steps is great, but what if I could track, you know, the walks I do to get my steps. And if that's a thought you have, then now I have a way to address that. And that hopefully is kind of a logical next step. And, you know, similarly, it's like, huh, now I'm going on these walks. It'd be great if I could, you know, look at a map while I do that or look at my, you know, track my walk on my lock screen using live activities. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Or on my Apple Watch, I'd love to have a map. Like, these are these kind of extension features that I'm trying hard, trying to kind of structure things with this graduated sort of disclosure that I think hopefully will make that transition sort of easier for people that it's not turning things around not doing anything dramatic and radical um and kind of just keeping it the same as much as i can so i'm curious there you you built a pretty substantial feature here um that that involves being able to track hiking or walking workouts with just an iphone without an apple watch because as you mentioned in the blog post 70 percent roughly of your customer base does not have an apple watch paired to their phone yeah um and and that's you know that i would imagine that's that's probably a pretty average number for the iphone as a whole um so or it, it might even be greater than that depending on you know what kind of what kind of app usage you have but anyway so i'm curious like how what made you decide to build that particular feature as somebody who was so into the apple watch yourself and like do you frequently go out and test that without your Apple Watch? And like, what what's what's the market impact of that? Do you think? Because I I think this is this is a as far as I know fairly untapped or underserved market of people who want some kind of active workout role with their iPhone who don't have an Apple Watch and will be solely using the iPhone to track that. Um, how do you like? What are the capabilities you can and can't do with that? Uh, how does it compare to the watch? And and you know how do you find like, do you actually end up using it a lot to, to test it out? And, you know, I, I would imagine for you leaving the house without a watch is like leaving the house without pants. Like, how do you, yeah. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I'm wearing at least one <laughs> Apple watch. It may be two, maybe three. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Like I think the, honestly, it's one of these things where I was, you know, earlier I was saying how like I'm building a feature for myself for a lot of this, the iPhone aspect of it, the, the part of it that is like for me is the map based version of that. Like that's something that 
I find I will use when I'm going on a, you know, I'm out on a hike and I want to see where I am. I want to follow a route. Like having that on a nice big screen is great in a way that I will like, I'm, it's amazing. And I love that I can put a map on my Apple watch and I will use that, you know, every time I'm going on a proper adventure, I will have it on my Apple watch. Um, but having it on my iPhone is useful there. Um, but I think it's definitely feels like a feature that so many people can benefit from, like at least 70% of my user base currently, you know, can't do this in Pedometer Plus Plus, and now they can. And I wanted to bring that into, um, in, 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 you sort of, sort of onto the iPhone as a result. And I think I use it, um, more now, especially like when I first started building this app, when I started thinking about this, um, we didn't have live activities or, you know, the dynamic island or any of those things. Um, those are sort of new arrivals since I was working on this. And I think they have especially made it much more compelling on the iPhone to track a workout because one of the reasons that on the Apple Watch, tracking a workout is so compelling is when you're in a workout, your metrics take over the watch, you know, the, the, the screen and you don't see your watch face. All you see is your workout metrics and live activities aren't quite that. Like it's not like they're taking over your lock screen in a way that like the, you know, if you, if you started driving directions in the maps app, it actually kind of like takes over the lock screen, you know, live activities aren't quite that big, but it now puts that data somewhere that is immediately obvious and visible and you can, you know, quickly reference without having to unlock, you know, take out your phone, unlock it, uh, you know, swipe up and then you'll see it. It's being able to just pick it up, you know, glance at it um, and look at it. Or even if you have it in, you know, a case or something where it's visible externally, you can just glance at it and look at it. And I think that those, like that really was one of those things where, when live activities were announced, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like this is suddenly turning it into something that, um, is, is super useful for me. And it's especially in, in, in a world where while like I do all my, you know, I, I love the Apple watch ultra and it's, it's battery life is amazing. So if I'm going for a very long hike, it's still going to be fine. Um, not everyone, you know, <laughs> likes that. And I think having, even if you have an Apple watch, you might sometimes want to track a long walk. Like if you were going for, you know, a 20 mile walk, you might struggle to capture that in a series four Apple watch. Um, like that might just be a, a struggle for you just from a pure battery life perspective. And so doing it on your phone is much easier is, you know, you can actually charge your iPhone while you're walking. You can plug it in, in a way that you can't easily do with your Apple watch, you know, like run a charging cable, like up under your, um, you know, up in your wrist or something like, I don't know, that seems like, and then you're blocking the heart rate sensor. I don't even know if that would work. Well, it would, it would remain in the locked mode the whole time because it w- it would think it's off your wrist the entire time. Yeah. Like, like it, it just isn't, it, it, it doesn't work great. And so I think th- those kind of things have made that a much more compelling, like being able to do live activities. And really the main downside is you don't get heart rate tracking. I think other than that, you know, there's, it can do all of the, you know, the speed estimation, the, uh, you know, the, the stuff that I can write into health, you'll get a record of it with a route tracking and all of, like, all pretty much the only difference between uh, a workout that's tracked on your wrist and a workout that's tracked on your phone is going to be that there's no heart rate data, um, obviously. And so I think that's turned into a feature that I think is actually much more compelling than I would have thought. And as someone who, you know, I, I am first and foremost, you know, an, an Apple Watch fanboy, like I love my Apple Watch, like so much of this actually, this this concept for this app, like the, some, I feel like so often when I'm developing, there's a feature that I kind of get 
sort of stuck on. And I decide like, if this is possible, if I can do this, then suddenly like it's much more worthwhile to do. And for me, it was once I got like mapping built for in Swift UI for the Apple watch was just like, Oh, Oh, this is cool. (laughs) Now I need, now I need to make this app because the engineering side of that was a really tricky, challenging problem. But once I cracked it, it was like, Oh, this is amazing. And so that was kind of the, you know, the, the, the Apple watch is so important for me in that way, but like, turns out this feature, I think it's going to be, you know, it's much more useful. And it's like, anytime you can do a, build a feature that benefits the 70 rather than the 30 side of your user base, like you're, you're, you're definitely on a right path. That makes a lot of sense. It's funny. Like I, <laughs> I forgot until halfway through your answer to the question, I've actually written an iPhone workout <laughs> myself. <laughs> sure. That's what town painter was. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I never even made the Apple Watch version and I and like what you've done here is pretty much all of the work that would be required if I ever wanted to make Town Painter uh as a watch app. <laughs> but anyway, no, that's that's really cool to look at it that way. And and you know, and and like and we've all had those moments like, you know, my my moment of like, you know, the engineering made me want to do something really badly was when I first made Smart Speed and Voice Boost prototypes. Um, in the old app that I, it was called Castaway Prototype because I didn't have a good name yet. And I was like, oh man, I should make a podcast app around these features. This is, these are really compelling. <laughs> and, uh, and there's been, you know, stuff over time I've done like that as well. And, and you know, that's a great feeling when you, when you get some kind of prototype and you're like, oh, wait a minute, this actually works. Like I actually, this is kind of a spoiler, but I'm actually about to sort of release something that's sort of a game. But it, it's not it's not as big as a deal as it sounds at all. Sure. It's not even a separate app. It's just a part of Overcast. But you'll see. Um, but anyway, I had a similar feeling there of like, hmm, this is an interesting thing to, thing to do here. But it's not a big deal. Don't don't get too excited. It's really it's a very small deal. But anyway. But I think too with that though is the the sense of like the engineering win though is such a powerful thing in terms of. Like I've had so many of these in this, this app in particular, I've had to learn something new. Like I've had to learn how like map tiles work. I've had to learn all these geo, like geometric algorithms and these things that are just really like, I feel like I'm a better developer as a result of that. And so I think like, it's always cool to just, if you can find a problem that you think is interesting to pursue it and tackle it because that engineering solution can be so motivating to, to like make you want to keep going. Totally. And that's, you know, like, that's, I think, one of the best things about being a nerd like us. You know, there's, there's a lot of people who make apps who are in it, kind of what you were saying earlier, who are in it, you know, for business reasons. You know, they, they're, you know, they, they, they know there's a market here. They want, they want to do it for business reasons. They might not, might not necessarily get the same, like, nerdy satisfaction that a lot of programmers get out of solving a nerdy problem. Um, and, and as a result, people with those priorities tend not to tackle very difficult problems or tend not to cert- not to um, make it make it not to think it's worth the time to tackle those big problems whereas nerds like us w- one of our great downfalls is that we will pour infinite time into something we think is a cool problem to work on even if it's not sure. even worth it like that's we go the opposite direction we spend too much time doing things that are not worth it um, but I think ultimately much of the time that can result in some really cool stuff and even though if you actually you know chart out your hours for what you spent on it it's like like my, my you know my wife makes a lot of um, art and a lot of you know art projects and art products and art is one of those things where 
you really shouldn't start budgeting out your hours and seeing what what's my equivalent hourly rate here because a lot of times it's terrible. It, you know, it's like if I if I budget at my hourly rate out here for what I'm going to make on this, it's like below minimum wage. You know, but but nerds like us are willing to do that a lot of times to our own detriment often. But we're willing to do that a lot of times because we want the cool outcome. And I feel like that is that there's so much of that in your work. And, and I love that. Like, you'll find some nerdy thing, like, like you know, your recent post about the gradients around the square. Like, you'll find some nerdy thing and you'll dive deep on it and find, like, the, the right solution or the most pragmatic solution uh, into at a, at a level of detail or for a feature entirely that most people wouldn't have noticed or cared about those details. But it's worth it. It's worth it to you. And I, I love, you know, because I, I have those things myself and I love that part of the nerd uh, outlook. Yeah, and I think there's an element, too, of that's how you can make things that are distinctive. Like, being distinctive doesn't always mean that you'll be successful. But I think it's much easier to be successful if you are distinctive. If you're doing something that took effort, that if someone else could reproduce your work trivially in, you know, a short amount of time, that's not a great place to be. Whereas like a lot of what I've been doing with this, like with some of these updates and these algorithms, it's like, sure. It's not like I'm, I'm doing something that's impossible. Like it's not like this wild, like genius thing I'm building on, you know, the shoulders of others. And it's, you know, I'm putting together a variety of different algorithms and things that are very well known, but there's a, there's a difficulty there. There's, you know, if you want to put a map in a live, in a live activity, good luck. It's going to take a while. Like it, <laughs> It is not a trivial thing to be able to do. And so that's like, you know, that that's, you could call it a moat, you could call it a barrier, or you could call it just like a bit of distinctiveness that hopefully like helps you to set, set apart from everyone else. And, you know, that's a wonderful place to be. I call it craft. That's to me, that's like being able and willing to occasionally tackle hard stuff to make a, a high quality outcome. That's our craft. And, and we're, I think we're lucky to have the, the time to be able to do it. You know, we don't have a boss telling us you aren't allowed to spend eight hours on this feature. Like you have to have it done in 30 minutes. Like we can sometimes take those times. And, and that's, I, I, that's my favorite part of the job. Absolutely. Anyway, congrats on the release. I hope it's going well for you and we will talk about it more uh, next episode. Thank you everybody for listening. Talk to you in two weeks. Bye.